Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. Each of us have a sphere, a bubble, or a force field yep. around each of us. We have to learn to understand, like, what is somebody else's stuff? What's our stuff? And I wanted them to get it as early as possible so that they don't take on somebody else's stuff, whether it's a classmate, a spouse, a boss, whatever, a client. The emotional intelligence, people have to, like, be taught that. And so when they have a hard time, I let them have their emotion. I let them know that emotions are energy in motion. Don't grab onto it. Don't stay there too long. Just allow it. Let it pass through. And then later, we don't even have to talk about it right away. It's actually best not to. We want to wait until everything is calm. Maybe a totally unrelated time where the mood is high Mm -hmm. after ice cream or after a movie, whatever. And you've had a nice time. Then you could be like, hey, you know what? Remember the other day when you were like having a really hard time? You're like... You want to talk about that? And we go there. And if they're like, no, I don't want to. Like, all right, well, when you want to, like, I'm here. It's kind of like how you would treat your best girlfriend right. or a client. Respecting them close. as a human and not looking yes. at them as like, calm down. Energy yeah. and motion. So you feel it and then you let it go. Yeah. Like just acknowledge it. Don't hide it. Don't push it down. And it took a while of talking for my older one to get it. But she is so wise now that there's been a whole like decade of teaching her and planting the seeds. They may be young, but you use age appropriate language or drawings and have them draw pictures. Like we have paintings of like their photo in the middle and you do exercises where you imagine you're pulling out the weeds of bad, like feelings, thoughts that make you feel bad. And then we make little like paper mache flowers. And then now they have a visual reminder on their bedroom wall that just captures the idea of you can control pulling out the weeds and planting flowers in place of it. Welcome to Squats and Margaritas. I'm Erin Washington, a mom of two trying to balance all the things. I'm a mompreneur, a former college athlete, and a woman that struggled for 20 years with body image, multiple eating disorders, and having no self-worth. I talk to strong, vulnerable, and authentic women and share conversations for other women to feel seen and less alone. If you are looking for tips on how to level up, balance all the things, or just listen and learn from strong, powerful women, you found the right place. This is Squats and Margaritas. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet ya. This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's wealth and legacy architect, Mary Wong. She mentors women across the globe to reclaim their power and create their own economy through the wealthy woman's way. She's the founder of Wings to Fly Foundation, CEO of Elevate Financial Team, producer and host of Elevated Woman TV Network, and she shared stages with Deepak Chopra and Les Brown really happy she said yes to me. 
We're going to talk about how the way you were raised affects so much of your life as an adult, how to build generational wealth, how to break generational cycles. Please do me a favor and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. And please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Here is my episode with Mary Huang. I want to start with your story. And I have learned recently from you, like basically each of us is a result of our environment and how we were raised. Um, I want you to kind of get into how you were raised and most specifically about the personality traits of both of your parents. I'll go from the womb because I truly believe Mm -hmm. that it all starts from the beginning of time, but let's just start in the womb. I was incubated in the womb of a woman that was borderline personality, manic depressive. And as we know, science already proves that like when you're in the womb, you can hear what's going on. You can feel the emotions of the mom. Science of emotions also show that like what those emotions can do to us. And so I come out into this earth realm and then I have a mom who's mentally ill and a father who's a narcissist. So there's different types of narcissism. He was, you know, I remember being a kid and thinking like, these people are good, you know, and they must have been because I turned my brother and I turned out pretty decent human beings that care about others, you know, and and you don't have anything to compare it to. You think that's good because that's all, you know, as a child, Yeah, that's the danger you are normalized. And so my thermostat for toxicity and abuse is so high. Like for instance, um, my mom kidnapped my brother and I out of New Jersey to Taiwan and she was about to pull me off the ledge of a rooftop building. Mary. Yeah. You didn't even know that. I didn't hear that in any of the podcasts I listened to. Yeah. There's a lot of stories. There's a lot. And, and it's how just old were you? 10 years old. Oh so my, my oldest is 10 years old right now. Yeah. And oh. I, I believe that when our kids go through certain ages, it triggers, right? It opens the door for us to subconsciously start to process the stuff that we went through. And yeah, I learned uh, that from you that like the child that triggers you is because they're bringing up something that was like unresolved from you at that age, that same age. And like, think about it now with my daughter, cause her and I, <laughs> she's seven, we butt heads a little. And I'm like, what have I not healed from my seven-year-old self mm-hmm. in childhood? Yeah. It all goes back to childhood, all of it. And we can even go beyond that and look at our ancestral lineage. And that's really powerful too. Um, But just looking at our own life in this lifetime. So if we talk about money, we moved around the globe. My father was in shipping. And so like uh, large container lines and airlines and very high up, he worked all his, his way up to the top. And because of that industry, we moved to a new port city every three years. So Mm. I was the first one born in America, New Jersey. Then we moved to England, London, and then Taipei and all the way around. And in that process, they lost themselves in chasing money, fame, and power, and they never stopped. Mm. And they eventually abandoned my brother and I in a mansion down the street from the Forbes family estate, from the Mars chocolate estate. Wow. Like, like we grew up in the life where people chase their whole lives to have the jet setting lifestyle. And it's a unique story because we were handed a checkbook and they just kept on traveling jet setting and they never came back. 
And they never told us they weren't coming back. It's just one year. I was just like, I, I looked at my bro and I'm like, I don't think they're ever coming back. Wait a minute. How old were you at this point at the abandonment? Like turning 14. So 14. Uh-huh. And he was three years older. Can you wow. imagine? And there was no explanation of what was happening. You had a checkbook and no parents. I had a checkbook, no parents, no guardians. It was wow. just the two of us in this ginormous mansion with seven acres of land surrounded by all this wealth and opulence and the feeling on the inside was just bankruptcy it was like spiritual bankruptcy it was so empty i remember feeling so lonely in that mansion like you could just cut it with a knife it was just so thick and then what happened they never came back (laughs) what did you do we figured it out on our own it was a it was hard I dated wow. drug dealers. I did drugs for 10 years. I still went through NYU and studied psychology because I wanted to save my mom, but really I needed to save myself. Yeah. And um, it took a long time for me to figure life out. And I believe that God allows us to go through these things so that we have all this experience that we can relate to the people that we're here to serve. Yes. And, exactly. you know, suicide attempts. Uh, rape, sexual abuse. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot like um, a little bit of food and body image issues. Actually, yeah, no, not a little bit. Um, Definitely some of that. And yeah, you know, when, when this is where the childhood programming is instilled into your subconscious mind and we don't even know because it's invisible. You don't have scars externally, so you can't see it. But then that becomes our blueprint of what we're, allowing ourselves to be treated when we grow up again. Cause you don't know any different. You think it's normal, which is a great segue to when did you meet your husband? And like you say, if you are used to this as a child, like it's bound to repeat itself in a relationship. Talk about meeting your husband and what happened there. I knew better. <laughs> and you know what? I saw him yesterday and we've evolved. Yeah. We've evolved. It was like the children they're in elementary school and they had an event. And so, um, I invited him to come because it's for the children's sake. And it was like the first time where I felt like just neutral, just like no hate, no anger, no hurt, just neutral. And for the longest time, because, you know, when you're in a high conflict scenario, the most dangerous time is when the person leaves because the other person will like, if it's a high conflict, they will do everything possible to make you stay. And if it's oh, so violence, this was not a mutual divorce. You want to talk about like what led you to, I think you say flee with yeah. your two daughters. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Now back to squats and margaritas. I didn't realize I did so much better than where I came from. I was abused every single day. And the only reason I mentioned moving around the globe every three years was that the only constant that I had was that my parents were going to argue violently every single day. Mm. That was, and sometimes somebody went to the hospital. And so this is what my brother and I grew up with. And luckily for me, I had an older bro who was like my buffer. He can't remember anything before 10 years old because your brain will protect you from those memories. And so I was lucky to have him as my protector. And, um, but the, the only constant was that they were fighting about money. And so now I'm a wealth architect. I'm a strategist. I help women um, 
build their wealth. And we, we, we look at your mental programming from childhood. We help mm. you heal the money wounds. And we look at everything, mind, body, spirit, and financial strategy, but it all goes back to what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Being abandoned in a mansion with a checkbook, I didn't realize this until recent years of doing this work, is that wealth became equated danger. Mm. Wealth equated abandonment, loss yeah. of love and family, yeah. right? And receiving money became well, what's the other, when's the other shoe going to drop? If I receive this money, what's going to happen next? And so that subconscious record will keep on playing. We all have some kind of program. We just have to stop and go internal and maybe get a guide to help you if this is new, but you got to figure out what that is. If you are finding yourself hitting the ceiling constantly or having an experience that you don't like. And so it can show up in your marriage. It could show up in your parenting, in your business, in your health, in all the ways it doesn't have any boundaries. So to go back to answering your question, what happened in my marriage, because I did do better, you know, like where I came from was so extreme. This was so much better. Um, However, I didn't recognize the signs of what was harmful. Can you share some of those just in case somebody is like in a relationship? um, Okay. Did you say it's not like blatant and it's not right away. Like they're really sweet at the beginning and they love bomb you. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really insidious. It's Mm. really slow. So in the beginning, it's like, first of all, when you have that kind of wound is why you attract that kind of person as well. Mm. And so that may be hard to hear for some people if they're kind of new to the journey. Because it's familiar. Like you feel that's what you're, you're normal. That may make yes. sense. Oh, yeah, we're puzzle pieces, and so in a way, I will give you give you that answer in a moment. But if I just just like leap forward to the positive, is that once you're healed and you can look back, we're pu- then you recognize, oh my gosh, we're puzzle pieces that were created and formed from childhood traumas. And as I grow, if I don't have people around me to advocate and teach me how to heal that. I will eventually attract that other puzzle piece in order to wake up to this dynamic so that I can do something about it. Mm. And if we have children, then we can be the one to break the chain and pass forward the healedness. Yes. Okay. The torch bearer. The torch bearer. <laughs> and so it's about breaking the chains. Yep. So while I will answer the question, I like it's kind of hard now that I'm healed to answer it, but I will, because it's valuable is because I look at that marriage and that breakup, although it was so painful. What I didn't say is that I left behind a million dollar life mm. that I co-created mm-hmm. in, and left in such a rush because I felt danger. I felt like I needed safety. I grabbed my two kids, shut down my brick and mortar and ran and started over with no money on food stamps. But it wasn't the moment where your kids were like, mommy, are you okay? Like your daughters were like, we don't like seeing you like this. And you were like, bam, done. When they came to my side and asked me in their tiny voices, it like, sh- it like shattered my rosy colored glasses. And mm-hmm. that rosy colored glasses go back to the puzzle piece of familiarity. It's like, even though it's unhealthy, we feel familiar and the familiarity in our subconscious mind is tricky because it makes you feel like it feels right. It feels yeah. good. It, feel, it feels correct. Normal. Yeah. Familiar. Yes. Yeah. 
And so that's why that saying of everything you want is outside your comfort zone. It's outside the bounds of what you know. Yeah. Good, but like you got to break, you got to take time to evaluate. Mm-hmm. Is this actually healthy? Okay, no, let's go do what we got to do to break it through and get to the other side. And breakthroughs are not comfortable. They're not supposed to be, you're like shattering a mold in order to be rebuilt according to what it will take for you to fulfill your destiny. We have to always remember we're here on the planet, especially now to fulfill our destiny. Always every human, every soul was created for that. But if we're stuck in financial abuse, physical abuse, whatever distractions that the world wants to steal from us, we are then giving our power away without even realizing Whether it's social media, a show or something, you know, the next like latest outfit, like all Mm -hmm. of that, we have to bring it back to what's true. And when you step into your purpose, like everything is just, it makes sense. I recently just had so much clarity that I, you know, my story, like I went through the depression, the bulimia, the anorexia, having no self-worth for, I mean, almost two decades I know now it's so clear that I went through it to come out on the other side and help women that are still in it. And I talk about it so casually now, like I, I don't even realize that I'm like, I was bulimic and people like, are like, Oh, but I healed it. Like it's, it's not, it doesn't hold that power over me anymore. It's not, you release the shame almost of it because if you have a thing that you're still holding on to, even if it's not happening anymore, like 10 years went by when I stopped my mess but I still never acknowledged it. So I was still carrying the shame of it. And once you do, and you release that shame, it's like the next part of your life begins. And you find that you can only find it on the other end of it, but you see now that the puzzle pieces, it was all purposeful and like what you find, what you're supposed to do. And I mean, God, you built so much from it. I want to talk about first, like your daughters, like you took your daughters out of that situation and just the way that you're raising them now, I think a lot of People were raised by parents that were like, kids should be seen and not heard. I know in the Asian culture, it's like that too. You see your girls as your teachers and you allow them to call you out when you're out of alignment. Can you talk about <laughs> just your your parenting style that you use with your girls? Oh my gosh, you're so awesome that you love that. <laughs> because I was raised, so I was the first born in America. My parents are immigrants from Taiwan, like you said, and there's no voice, especially as an Asian like a female, I mean, especially right. as a female, I was raised to be a commodity for men. Mm. And I fulfilled that duty and then realized, oh my gosh, like I was raised to be in an abusive relationship. Right. Um, and so uh. because I was raised with so much oppression and no voice and no rights uh, and so much punishment, it was all about fear and punishment. I wanted something different for my kids. And I, I just educated myself and just allowed them to be them. And so ever since they were born, I told them, you are wise. I always believed that because I thought I was wise as a young one. And I always gravitated to elders to like, just talk about life. And so that was just (laughs) how I was created. And they're so powerful. When you treat and view someone a certain way, it doesn't matter how old they are, young or old, and you have a particular belief about who they are, you treat them that way and they actually rise to fit that occasion. Mm. So why not understand that and like put them on the highest possible? I get it. Like, it's like manifesting, like you, they match the energy. (laughs) Like here's the, like, I keep going to say bad bitch mentality. It doesn't work for a little girl, (laughs) like a, (laughs) a princess, like 
goddess mentality yes. and this is what you are, they become that, they match that energy and they become that. I guess I would say some parents, are, you want them to know who's in charge. And if you talk to them, like they're on the same level and they're so powerful, then you, you lose your like authoritative nature. And it's like, I would be scared that they, I do kind of treat them, my kids like that, but I could see someone hearing that and being like, well, then they can think they could do whatever you're so wise. And you're, you have to kind of keep the parental role and the authority role. So they respect you almost like, what would you say to that? (laughs) Well, I have a perfect case study. I have two girls. They're seven and 10. The 10 year old is like such an old soul. Everyone who meets her is like, she's more advanced than all of us combined. I'm (laughs) like, yes, she is. Mm -hmm. And my younger one, she has amazing skills and talents as well. However, there's like the birth order thing. Oh, yeah. So what I've learned, and this is super recent, where I had to put my foot down and play the parent role, like the card. And the older one is really responsible. She's empathetic. She's got the high uh, emotional intelligence. The younger one, because we left when she was four. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's that that plays into the, the psychology as well. And so, and I was, more coddling and thinking like, you know, this must be so hard for you. So I coddled right. her a little more. Second right. one, young during divorce. Well, then she now is more bossy and more this and that and sassy and doesn't want to listen, won't talk about logic. And so <laughs> I literally had to play the parent card. I'm like, I'm the mom. Let's get this straight. I'm really nice to you all the time. And I give you a lot of options and choices but I'm not buying you any more sugar. I'm changing all the passwords to the devices. And now you're going to have to earn it because you are not respecting your older sister's needs and feelings and words. And while she thinks it's really harsh, it's still very not harsh. No, (laughs) it's harsh for their mommy. They're like, that's so my husband says it all the time. He's like, they, they don't respect you because you always play with them. And you're so nice. And you don't, you're not stern enough. And I will try to be like, do not. And (laughs) I was like, I say it. So he's like, they don't believe you. Like you're not, I'm just not like the disciplinarium. I'm like, want to be their buddy. And I'm the cuddler. And so when I want to do that, they're like, like, I I guess I'm not consistent. (laughs) So we just have like this, but I, I, you made me look at it more about like respecting. It's like, you're the mom not to say you don't respect them, but it's like, I catch myself sometimes. Like I I deal with anxiety and I'm like, if I was like that and it was your daughter, she'd be like, mom, you're out of alignment. And you, you tell her to tell you, to call you. I do. I, I love that. I do. Ever since they were old enough to speak, I've told them, were, you know, yes, I'm a, I'm an adult and I've had more years on the planet and I've figured some things out, but I'm not perfect. I always tell them that since they were little and you have the right to call me out. If I'm out of alignment, if I'm cranky and I'm acting a certain way and I'm not myself, you have the right to be like, mom, like you're a little bit out of alignment and (laughs) let me go have some space on my own. Like they've never had time out. They've never been like, hit or anything unlike me, you know? Yeah. Can you tell me about what they do? You teach them to kind of, um, listen to their own internal guidance. And when they're feeling something, talk about the calm box. Cause I friggin' love it. Oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> Girl, you are so good. You're so good. I, I, oh my gosh. I want to like, I, when I met you, I was like, you have so much to offer. Aww. And like people are like this generational wealth person and like developing wealth, which is obviously like a huge benefit to women. There's so much more to you like that you offer with like the parenting. <laughs> you, didn't even get it. you wrote a book called the empowered child. And I am in the trenches with my seven-year-old 
right now. And I need all of the guidance. And I never thought of just saying like a punishment, it's like, go to your room, but I'm you. What do you tell them to do? I love this. I, I sit with them. I'm available emotionally, energetically, physically. I don't enter this. So I see each of us have a sphere, a bubble or a force field yep. around each of us. And honestly, I used to have a school called Light Warriors School for Children. And that was the main thing. The main core of it was emotional intelligence. We have to learn to understand like, what is somebody else's stuff? What's our stuff? And I wanted them to get it as early as possible so that they don't take on somebody else's stuff, whether it's a classmate, a spouse, a boss, whatever, a client. And so that was really important because you're going to learn how to read, write, do all that stuff. Like that's easy. Yeah. Um, but the emotional intelligence, people have to like be taught that. And so when they have a hard time, I let them have their emotion. I let them know that emotions are energy in motion. Don't grab onto it. Don't stay there too long. Just yeah. allow it, let it pass through. And then later, we don't even have to talk about it right away. It's actually best not to. We want to wait until everything is calm. Maybe a totally unrelated time where the mood is high mm -hmm. after ice cream or after a movie or whatever. And you've had a nice time. Then you could be like, hey, you know what? Remember the other day when you were like having a really hard time? You were so angry. You're like, you want to talk about that? You know? And like, and we go there. And if they're like, no, I don't want to. Like, all right. Well, when you want to, like, I'm here. And so it's kind of like how you would treat your best girlfriend right. or a client. Respecting them close. as a human and not looking yes. at them as like, you don't know what you're doing. Uh, calm down. Stop crying. Oh, yeah. man. Yes. That makes me so upset. I still see that in kids right now, especially little boys when dads, especially. But I see moms yelling at little boys. And then you're raising a man that can't show his feelings and keeps everything bottled up and was always told boys don't cry and it's generational and you need someone to tell them that it's okay and break that cycle. So then your son is raising a son that knows it's okay to feel their feelings, feel it, and then you let it go. Yeah. Like just acknowledge it. Don't hide it. Don't push it down. And it took a while of talking for my older one to get it, but she is so wise now that there's been a whole like decade of teaching her and planting the seeds. They may be young when they're little, but you use age appropriate language or drawings and have them draw pictures. Like we have paintings of like their photo in the middle and you do exercises where you imagine you're pulling out the weeds of bad, like oh. feelings, thoughts that make you feel bad. And then we make little like paper mache flowers. And then now they have a visual reminder on their bedroom wall that just captures the idea of you can control pulling out the weeds and planting flowers in, in place of it. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Now back to squats and margaritas. People think about their boundaries with like other things, but it's like, I feel it. So I, again, my new spirituality thing, I am so like uh, reactive to energy now. Like I, I can tell, like, I'll be feeling good and you walk in somewhere and it's just, the energy is not good. And you, yeah. what do you call it? Your bubble, your, you don't let this field. Yeah. yeah. Because you don't want to take on that energy. You have to have boundaries with your energy. And I don't think people look at it that way. Right. It affects you. It totally affects you. So my kids have learned the things I'm teach I've taught in the book and we go to the supermarket and there's like, you know, people with bad energy. My little, my seven-year-old will be like in Chinese, she'll be like, put on your bubbles. And I love so, that. 
Yeah. And even if we say bubbles in English, nobody knows what we're talking right. about. So we have code words. Did you say you used to say virus like before Corona virus? It's like somebody's energy is coming and your kids say, yes, virus. we call it virus. You're so intelligent. Like my God, they're so aware, self-aware. Great job. <laughs> my God. And, you know, you can teach kids or even adults with a, with a story of like, if you're just playing ball and you're throwing a ball. And I think maybe even this concept is in the four agreements, the book with Don Luis Miguel, like you don't have to catch the ball. If someone's throwing you a ball and you're playing a game of ball and they want to, the ball is like, I used to tell this to my kid all the time. If someone wants to say, Hey, Mary, you're ugly. I don't have to catch the ball. I could just move to the side and let it land. And I don't have to get upset because I don't have to own it. The moment you catch the ball and you own it, yep. now you're engaged. Yes. Now you've told yourself it's something that's true. That's why you have to defend yourself. No, it's dodgeball. I like right, it. It's dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> or catch it and throw it. No, just kidding. <laughs> don't dude, do like stuff. <laughs> I never answered your question earlier about what happened in my marriage because I want to like kind of stay um, in integrity to your, to answering questions. If I had known then, because I wrote that book when I was still in the marriage and I didn't mm. know it was years before I was leaving the marriage, even realizing, waking up to the fact of the environment that I was in, I didn't play dodgeball mm. to the lies that were thrown at me. You were the catcher. <laughs> I caught it. Caught I would it. catch it. And then I would process it. And then I would, and so there was a lot of growth. So there's so many ways to look at it. It's like the other were two puzzle pieces. We bonded at the trauma bond of childhood abuse. We were yep. both abused as children, but the other person doesn't view themselves as abused. They view themselves as, well, that's just part of life. And okay, that's fine. I don't, I'm not going to call that wrong because they were able to just move through life successfully anyhow. But the thing is, when it comes down to a deeper relationship in a like romantic or love relationship, you trigger those people that are closest to you push on those buttons that like your best friend can't. Yeah. And so if they're not willing to recognize that there are trauma wounds that need to be healed or it's too scary, they lift and they're like, oh, my God, I don't want to see that. And they shut you keep it. it in there. Yep. Yeah. And it's like two frequencies. Eventually, it, it's like it snaps apart. It's like, like, you can't help it. The other person cannot keep leading you to the water to help you grow and heal. But if the other person doesn't want to drink the water, you can't make up. everyone has free will and choice. And that's the way it is. And then the children, a lot of women won't leave a million dollar life because they, number one, don't know how they're going to provide for the kids. Yeah. And they think they're supposed to keep the family together for the sake of the kids. Yep. And when my kids came and said, mommy, are you okay? I had a flashback to when I was six and trying to save my mom. And that's when I realized this was a generational pattern, generational curse that I had to break. Cause the moment you realize tag, you're it, you can't unsee the truth. And a lot of people do by drowning themselves with medication, alcohol, and drugs, or whatever the coping mechanism is mm -hmm. to distract themselves. But my call to action and my encouragement is just go and find the, the help that resonates with you so that you can slowly take yourself out of the 
delusion that we were raised to be in. It's like a fish in water doesn't realize it's in water. Yes. The moment you realize you're in water, but the water is dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Cause it's all, you know, and you just, be, yes. like you said, there's so many people that want to keep the family together, but it's like, what are you showing your girls yes. that this is normal? And then that's the cycle. Then they're like, this is normal. Then they end up with a man that it's like, this toxicity and it just passes on until somebody breaks a cycle and you did. And how empowering to give that gift to your daughters. And when you talk about little boys, right? How we were talking about the boys Mm -hmm. that raising boys to have emotional intelligence is the first step to healthy relationships. What you got? Yeah, I'm like, what? Oh my goodness. This is my guy. I'm, I'm just thinking about it when you're saying yes. And when he falls down or he cries, it's like, don't say, he can't like cry, like feel it. I don't want someone to feel like to grow up. I'm a boy. Boys don't cry. Just let him be like, don't put all these things on him. He can't play with this. He can't cry. It's going to raise a man who's like. Shame. Yes. Shame. Oh, shame. We do not need any more shame on the planet. We do not. I'm so grateful you're raising the next generation of awakened men. This is what we need to change the world. That is my goal for him, that that for him. And then for my daughter to not deal with any of the body image and self-worth issues that I did, she will be empowered. She will know how wonderful she is. And you see, I didn't say beautiful. I don't make it physical. You are strong. You are so smart. You're so funny. Nothing physical because- I had enough of that. And it's like, I went through that to make sure that she doesn't really quick. I wanted you to share one more thing that I thought living your life just in purpose and kind of like with purpose. I I love how you talk about your intentional mornings and evenings and why that's important. Oh my gosh. I wake up at two in the morning because I go to bed at seven. Okay. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I don't ever, I don't want to hear that again. (laughs) However, you can shift that time block to whatever suits you. That does not suit me. (laughs) No, but it doesn't need to be for you. For me, I'm a single mom. I work from home. I have multiple businesses and a nonprofit. And so for me to be able to be effective and efficient to fulfill my destiny, that's what I have to do. But I go to bed at seven, like when the kids do. Yeah. I mean, I thought I go to bed at nine and I get up at six. Yeah. Yeah. But they get up at 620. (laughs) (laughs) I need to get up at like five and do what? Well, Prayer, meditation, journaling, visioning, Mm. getting your mind and spirit set on why are you on the planet? What are you here to do? And just always be in tune with that because that's the only reason we're on the planet Mm -hmm. is to fulfill that and serve others. Yes. Number two is working out. Well, I don't have to preach. You already know the importance (laughs) of that. Yeah. So is your audience. But do you do it first? Like intentionally that's why you do it in the morning. Cause I work out like during the day when my kids are at school, is there, is there a benefit, a spiritual, mental, emotional benefit to doing it first thing? More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this now back to squats and margaritas. First thing with the, with the journaling, the yes. prayer and the meditation, that's that first. has to be first because okay. that's the only reason we exist um, during while they're in school. So I only have work hours between drop off and pickup. Same. That's not a lot of hours. <laughs> nope, yeah, you know I know. What I'm talking about. <laughs> so I've tr- I've attempted to work out during those times, but then it's not efficient on my work. Mm. So now I want to. I'd rather wake up super early and put it in there so that I can just focus on work, and it energizes me. Yeah, it keeps me like you know I feel good. I'm like, wow, I did that already, and I still have the rest of the day. Exactly. Yeah. 
And it's not looming over you. Like I still have to get a workout in. It's just like the endorphins are already there. It's not going to get put off because you already did it. Anyone that tuned in because they want to learn how to build wealth. You shared something when we were speaking at that event in DC that I think the whole room had no idea about. It's a very like uh, tangible step that women can take right now, setting up this account you were talking about. And I would love for you to share that. Oh my gosh. So I wish every parent knew this that every child, the first day they're born, can be set up with this account, just like an adult can. So the child version, we affectionately call it the million dollar baby plan. And you're basically using um, a vehicle that allows your money to use an indexing strategy. So you're guaranteed to never lose a penny, whether the market goes up or down, because it's not directly invested in the stock market. Unlike traditional things like 401k or traditional IRAs. Those go up and down. You got to have the stomach to handle it. So there's more modern, flexible things where you can put the money in. It's safe. It's promised. You're guaranteed in the contract. You will never lose a penny. Mm -hmm. And then it locks in all the gains. When the market goes down, you may not earn anything, but you didn't lose anything. And what happens is people don't realize, and I didn't learn this until I got into finance and got my licensing, is that when you lose money in the market, you have to bounce back further. Yeah. So if you lost 50%, you've got to come back way higher than 50% to break even. Mm. So if you've got this strategy, when the market crashes, you have a negative floor, so you don't lose a penny. But then when the market comes back up and people are just recuperating, you've locked in your old gains and now you're going up. So you're actually making gains instead of trying to recuperate and repeat, repeat, repeat. And these are strategies, it's called privatized banking or infinite banking concept. But these are things that if you are correctly structured, can help you build generational wealth and tax advantaged, and you can pass it to the next generation tax advantaged. One Mm. of the biggest things that the wealthy know is how to play the tax game. Most of us did not get taught at school or at home anything about money. It's so taboo. People would rather send two hours of traffic than talk about it at home at the dinner table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we have to get educated. We have to overcome the tabooness and the shame. The shame is what keeps us stuck and realize that we all have it, but what makes us different from us and the ones who are at the level we want to be is that they're willing to lift that Pandora's box and heal the shame and then take on the strategies to get there. But This is a really powerful tool. Your investment is protected from lawsuits, even a divorce. We have to be the ones to get off of social media and care more about taking the reins back of our own power and financial empowerment. Because ultimately for me, at the end of the day, financial empowerment is the solution to domestic violence. And Mm. that's how we can break the chains for future generations. Yes, because you're stuck. Like you said, like it's a million dollar life and you're not going to take that away from the kids. But if you had your own... Like how many women are staying because they don't have their own money. And it's like you empower women talk about just to end it exactly what you do, how you said, it's like mind body. You, if somebody wants to work with you, how they can find you and exactly what you can do for them. Yes. They can go to wealthywomansway.com and they'll get a freebie there of a checklist for a wealthy woman's checklist and then get lots of tips and, you know, things of what I teach all the time. But if somebody wants to work with me, I have a mentorship program. I have, I teach women, I mentor in business, how to create your own side hustle. 
so mm. that you can have money to invest, um, how to prepare for retirement. So you are easily going there without worry. Um, but we have to hit mind, body, spirit, and financial strategy. It's yes. all of it because it goes back to our childhood. It goes back to our lineage of what was taught and handed down our culture, what we're being programmed through the movies. And once you can heal all of those things and have awareness, it's not hard, but having a container with someone who's been through it, who can hold your hand and show you the financial terrain at the end of the mentorship, you're going to be able to co-create your own financial strategy and start implementing. I have a financial services company. So if you wanted to, we can even help you create those strategies and implement them. For Instagram, underscore Mary, underscore Huang. And then MaryLHuang.com is my website. And if you want more information, just go to WealthyWoman'sWay.com because it's so easy to remember. And everything that I do with Wealthy Woman's Way, all profits, 100%, go to fund my nonprofit that I co-founded with my two daughters called Wings to Fly Foundation. What that, is that houses women and children leaving abusive homes to heal the mind, body, spirit, and financially so they can fulfill their destiny. Talk about turning your pain into like immense purpose. I am so grateful you said yes to me. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for doing what you do. I appreciate you so much. Amazing. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.